0: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Track by Track, a recurring feature here on Consequence of Sound, where we explore an album, one song at a time, with the artist. Discussing the song's origins, tales from the studio, every story that brought this music to life. I'm Tyler Clark of Consequence of Sound, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Julia Jacqueline about her new record, Crushing.
1: My up to be mine.
0: How are you, Julia?
2: I am pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm, you know, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. So I guess we'll start, uh, I just want to ask, I guess, to begin with, the title of the album, it feels sort of deceptively simple, and it feels like, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, I could be reading too much into it, but I feel like it it has sort of, it contains sort of a lot of meaning in a single word. And so I was just wondering what the thought was behind uh, naming this record. What you chose to name it?
2: Yeah, I think I think the the first record I made, "Don't Let the Kids Win," was just a no brainer for the title. Like it was just that was the last track and just kind of felt right. Um, Whereas this record, I really struggled to kind of know what to call it, and yeah, it was kind of like really pushing the deadline of needing to decide. Mm -hmm. And but I kept coming back to the word "crush" or "crushing" or "crushed." It just kept kind of coming to me, and I kept like. You know, writing different variations of it, um, and yeah, I think I I really like the way that word sounds, and I kind of just it really spoke to me in the way that it it can mean so many different things, and it can mean really positive things, um, like you're doing really well, or yeah, but then it also can, or you you know, you're really into someone, and that feeling is like you know, agony and ecstasy. Yeah yeah ecstasy, obviously, if they like you back agony if they don't, which happens as well, <laughs> um and yeah, also just being yeah just the feeling of uh when life gets too much, it can be quite crushing, so I kind of just went with it, yeah, in the end,
0: yeah, and I mean i and again, having listened to the record, it does really uh there are multiple points throughout the record that I feel like it i I would come back to and sort of think about that title and sort of think about what an apt description it was you right that's yeah, good. <laughs> yeah right again i think that's a i i hope i hope so <laughs> um so this yeah. this is your second this is your second record as as you as you mentioned and it comes after a a couple of years where you know your career sort of really you know took took off after uh, the release of "Don't Let the Kids Win." You've you've spent a lot of time on the road, among other things, and so I'm I'm curious, you know, going from the first record to the second, um, how are you? How is the Julia Jacqueline that made "Crushing" um, different from the one who made "Don't Let the Kids Win"? And also, like, how how are you the same too?
2: Yeah, um, I I honestly feel like a very different person uh, than I was back then. But I guess that's not not unlike probably most people's experiences. I think being in your early twenties is a very unique time of life when yeah, a lot of things are changing. And also I just when I made it on the kids when I was so green to this whole business to, to I think, you know, it was the first time I'd ever been in a recording studio properly and there was also, you know, no one really backing my decision to do it it was more people kind of being like do you think it's wise to spend all your savings on making a record in New Zealand when like nobody knows who you are (laughs) um and so yeah I and I also just felt like I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't really know what I was doing Um, but that kind of really Made its way into like the experience For me because I didn't feel like I Could express what I wanted or like I'm not sure if I ever knew what I Wanted I was it was all just so new Um whereas This time like after that Record I I think I spent A year still working until I even even anyone Listened to it so I kind of sat on the record for a while Thinking like oh Maybe everyone was right this was a terrible decision Um But yeah, and then and then I it. I basically toured it for two and a half years after that. And touring for two and a half years in the way that I did, which was a lot of touring, you know, because at the beginning you kind of say yes to everything. And when you're Australian, once you leave the country, it's not very wise to kind of go back that often because it costs so much money. Mm. Yeah, so, I, and I just, yeah, I learned so much about myself and, you know, my relationships and my friendships and, you know, what I, who I am and what I, you know, my strengths and my weaknesses. It was, yeah, I think it was a really accelerated learning period that I probably wouldn't have hap- had if I wasn't a touring musician. So when I got into the studio for this record, I just was like, I don't even recognize the person I... I was making the first record. So yeah, it was nice. I, I, I felt like I belonged in the studio and, and that I, you know, I could raise my voice and I could really ask for what I want. I wasn't embarrassed by the process. I didn't feel, you know, like an imposter
0: as much. Hmm. Well, I think that, um, that confidence shows through on the music throughout the record. And I think it, particularly on the first track, uh, that we'll get to here on, uh, this episode of Track by Track, that being, of course, Body. In,
1: I could finally see, I felt the changing of the seasons.
0: Now, that was the um, the sort of first, I don't know if you want to call it a single, but the first song released from the record. It's also the first track on the record. And I wonder what, for you, made it sort of the first song that you wanted people to hear in both of those senses. Like, how do you think that it sets the scene for what's to come after it?
2: Yeah, I I think I think it can be very tempting to, I don't know, like the fear of the first release and you you feel like you've got to put out something that's just going to capture people's attention immediately. So you put out like the shortest, fastest, loudest song or something. (laughs) Um, And I think I was trying to do the complete opposite um, with putting it out first. And yeah, I don't know. I just, as soon as I wrote it, I just, and recorded it, I just knew it had to be the first song on the record. Just to kind of, I don't know, yeah, kind of, I think it's a very atmospheric song and it just kind of sets, really kind of sets a scene and and it makes you, I don't know, it's not kind of like giving you everything immediately, so you kind of have to stick it out. So maybe it was just my way of like weeding out the non-believers, the (laughs) non-fans. Yeah, So. Yeah. I I'm really glad I put that out first and yeah, as the first song.
0: It does have that sort of um great kind of slow burn to it. I agree. It is, it is a a sort of atmospheric it develops I think over the course of its uh of its runtime. And now this may be a a slightly I don't know if this is a silly question necessarily, but it but it's one that I think I I feel like I need to ask. Is is the story in the song autobiographical or is it or is was that an sort of, sort of an invention?
2: <laughs> um i i I get asked this question every interview, and I've decided to not say okay. because i I think that i think it I think it's really tempting to like want to break down these songs and know exactly what's real and what's not, but I don't think that does a, like i think it does a bit of a disservice to the listener because what I love about songs is like you can attach your own meaning to them. And kind of get what you want from them, but if the artist just tells you exactly what it is. I don't know. You know, sure. it's kind of like seeing a kind of like seeing a bad movie of your favorite book, yeah. And then you can't get that those characters out of your head. I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about this song. I don't want to do that
0: to anyone. That's fair. That's totally fair. And that you know, I uh, <laughs> I hope that uh, I hope that I hope that not too many more people. Feel the need to feel the need to uh, to ask you that on this one. Uh, well, then I guess I would, what I will ask though is, um, I feel like on this one, the sort of most powerful line for me in the in the whole song is um, uh, the line. I guess it's just my life and it's just my body, um, which of course contains you know the t- title of the song and just has such a it's such a perfect understatement. I guess and so I'm just wondering mm. what without getting too much into like the the inspiration and the behind the scenes stuff of it what meaning do you find in that phrase
2: Yeah I I guess I guess it came from a place of just uh yeah what's the word like just exasperation and defeat mm. where you kind of feel like I don't know, I think I used to think that communication was the key to everything, you know, and I thought that if you could only communicate how you feel to people, that everybody can, like, come to sort of some understanding, you know, which is such a young, naive thing to think, because I realize now that, like, everyone is different, and everyone's had very different life experiences, and sometimes people cannot put themselves in your shoes, and I think especially when it comes to the problems that women deal with, Um, and you know some things that I've, I address in this song. I'm. I think I got to a point where I was like, I can't. I can't try and explain to people anymore what it feels like um, to sometimes be a woman and the things that are very specific to our experience in the world. Um, so I think that line was like I just was a bit exhausted by it, and you know, kind of playing into that idea of like, well, I guess it's, you know, I guess my life and my body is meaningless, um, to some people. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's also a phrase that really changes in my mind a lot of, you know, cause sometimes it can sound really powerful to me and then other times it can feel, it can sound really defeated and sad. So.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's, that, that does feel like sort of the mark of a, of a solid, Piece of writing that, that you know it can sort of, you know, change with the change with the time and with the mood. I know that uh, that I feel like you, you know, you you mentioned sort of writing from a, a perspective of sort of trying to describe what it is to be a a, a woman and particularly sort of a, a woman in not only the world in general but sort of in the world of, of music as well, um, and that's something that I, I read in the in. One of the the quotes, I think, in the press materials um, about this next song um, was something that was maybe a bit of of, of an inspiration. Um, The song Head Alone on your new record, Crushing... mentioned that as a touring musician you've noticed that the way that you're that you're touched is different than the way that like your male bandmates are touched on the road and I I'm just wondering if how that's affected your if that's affected your relationship with performance or with being on the road at all like coming to that realization like that feels like it was probably a, a difficult realization to come to
2: yeah yeah I mean and it's something that's like not really it's it's something that builds over time and it's like a lot of micro aggressions and a lot of small instances that if you speak about them in the time at the moment they seem trivial but it's like you know it's like eating chili or something just like builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until um, yeah you suddenly realize that like you get used to it as well so then when things start happening or something happens like you're so used to your boundaries being pushed and you're so used to like people touching you in a certain way um, that you even like don't realize to yourself that you're kind of letting go of, of things that you used to find important. Um, or like if you don't raise your voice about it initially, if you do raise your voice about it down the line, it, it can be like, oh, but it wasn't a problem, you know, a few months ago or, you know, it was like, um, yeah, and just kind of, it's. I think it's a hard thing for. Like, I sell my merch a lot, and it's like I really, really enjoy meeting um, people who come to the shows. You know, I love. I've had some incredible interactions and conversations, and but you know, it's like there's a many times when people have kissed me on the face, like quite close to my mouth, and wow. you know, really want to touch you and hug you and rub your back and. You know, and it's like you want to give people what they want. You want to you want to be like you want to be the nicest person to people because there's always that fear of kind of letting someone leave a show, and not kind of having a good idea of who you are or whatever. Um, but then you just start to realize, like, well, I'm I'm already giving so much on stage every night um, that i can 't i can 't I can't, like give m- any more than that and it 's okay to draw boundaries like when you 're meeting people, but it 's also very awkward in the moment to try and draw those boundaries and to like call that kind of stuff out
0: and I feel like that the message of the song is so poignantly illustrated uh, in the accompanying music video for this one. Uh, I wonder if if you could just take a minute to talk about the story behind it and it it looks when I when I watched it it looks like was it uh, looks like a single take
2: yeah yeah it was a single take yeah that that was a hard kind of clip to make because I was really really busy at the time um so I kind of had I was like oh maybe you know I direct all my music videos and make them all with my friend Nick and I have since day one and But for this clip, I was like, oh, I think I might try and get somebody else to come up with the concept and organize it because I'm too busy. But I realized that, like, the ideas that other people were giving me were these, like, really sad girl um, imagery. You know, it was like, oh, yeah, because I just realized that maybe people were listening to it and thinking that it was, like, this sad song and, you know, I sh- all the images should be me, like, being really depressed by myself or, like, drinking and crying or whatever. Whereas to me, that song is really, like, joyful and hopeful because it, to me it's, like, the act and the confidence of being able to advocate for what you want and to be able to tell people that it's, you know, it's not okay to, to behave that way or that you need space like that is so wonderful and powerful to get to the point where you can say that to people without worrying about the ramifications so um i just find it really hopeful so i think yeah we ended up shooting that like the night before i flew to europe um and it's basically just yeah nick's sitting in the back of my friend's car he's driving Um, so I was just getting like so much exhaust fumes in my face, which was not pleasant. Um, but yeah, we just found like a quiet street in Melbourne, um, waited until it was golden hour and we just, yeah, my friend, I asked my friend like an hour and a half before if he would be the, you know, be the guy that I'm hugging at the beginning. Um, yeah. And I just, I just kind of knew that I just wanted to be like a powerful, joyful image that wasn't there wasn't also like taking too much space and not taking away from the song as well um and I just kind of all I could think about was like I just wanted to wear a big dress and run down the street (laughs) so yeah we just I I think we just did it like four times um and that was the last take and that was it yeah
0: well it's a really cool video uh so I think mission accomplished on that one yeah um Speaking of really cool, uh, track three on Crushing Pressure to Party, um, described as a three-minute scream, which I thought was just a really cool (laughs) way to put it. The sort of energy on this one, it it makes me want to like, you know, pump my fist and and feel you know sort of powerful myself. Uh, But its subject matter is also I think (laughs) something that is that again is like it's it's this sort of you know serious um, or like you know real subject matter that's being talked about in a really sort of appealing way. Um, And so to shift to that for a second, just um, you know because I think on this one you've you've said elsewhere that you know this one this one's kind of about the pressure that you feel sort of post breakup to sort of have like the like perfect breakup or to like do everything right. You know, once you come out of a relationship and I wonder where you, where do you think that that pressure comes from? And then also like, what can you do or sort of we do to sort of lessen that and give people a little bit more space when they're dealing with the end of a relationship?
2: I think um it's, I, I just think that heartbreak is so messy and it makes all of us act badly, you know, whether or not we broke up with someone or were broken up with, and not necessarily badly, but we're just not our best selves. Like, we it's painful and it's embarrassing and it's humiliating and it's awkward and it's just like all of these things and it's world changing. Like, uh, so you know, you've gone through a, a big period of your life with somebody else and then suddenly they're not there and it's like a big adjustment period. And I think we all have the tendency to give advice, you know, and I know we also have the tendency to seek advice as well to try and make ourselves feel better. But everyone's experiences is quite different, even though it's like a very common thing that we all experience. And it's also just like almost sometimes I just wished – you know, we could just say, we could just acknowledge that it's just going to feel really bad for like a significant amount of time and then it will ease. But I think we all try, we all want to help each other. So we just like give each other all of this, you know, advice straight away, you know, whether or not that be, oh, like go out and like sleep with someone else, like, or get on Tinder or like you know, or take some time for yourself and you know, there's just like all of this advice and it's so confusing and you're listening to it all and you're following some of it and it makes you know, it makes you feel good for a moment or it I I just don't think any of us know what to do. It's just it's just really painful and you just kind of need your friends to call you Mm -hmm. and to be there for you and to like acknowledge that
0: it's a bad time. Well, as as we said earlier also about this song, something that I really love about it is sort of is the the energy on it and then the sort of like I mean this one this one kinda rocks. How did it feel to sort of let loose like this?
2: It was good. Yeah. I think it's important to uh you know, have a song on a record that is a bit fun, <laughs> more fun. The record isn't exactly a fun record, I guess, as a whole. Um, and yeah, I wrote this song in the car driving to Melbourne. I think I wrote most of it at a service station, kind of halfway, (laughs) halfway down. Um, yeah, but it feels really good. It feels really good to play live. Um, it's kind of a different way of singing for me, like not that much nuance, just kind of shouting Mm -hmm. in a way most of the time. (laughs)
0: yeah and i feel like that does there's something cathartic about just sort of going top of your lungs top of the meter kind of thing (laughs) just just going for it um exactly so we're on to that brings us to track number four which is don't know how to keep loving you which again I've, i've one of the descriptions i read of this one was the the heartache in fading affection which which hit me sort of uh sort of hard when i read it and I, and i feel like it, it kind of made the song hit for me even more than it already was again
1: too tired to run away what a way to know. There's nothing left to say
0: Why do you think... Because there are so many breakup songs out there. There's so many songs about being in love, and there's so many songs about being broken up. And and this is sort of somewhere in between. Why was this an important feeling and space to capture for you in a song? That space sort of between being in love and being, being completely apart?
2: I think I... I I guess a lot of the time I'm motivated by trying to write songs that I feel like I need to hear.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I I think that even though there's a lot of songs out there in the world about heartache, obviously it's like most songs are. I I don't I don't feel like I often hear songs that are kind of talking about the heartbreak of falling out of love or or, you know, um from the perspective of someone who has ended a relationship but is still in a lot of pain. Um, there's so many songs about someone ending a relationship with you and then um, how heartbreaking that can be being, like, rejected because I think that's an easier perspective to write from, from kind of being, I guess, the victim of of someone else's um, fading affection. And I definitely in the past have have been on this you know being the broker opera, <laughs> but i have taken on the role as as the brokenhearted because it is an easier perspective to write from i think it's a, you know it's kind of because there are so many songs that are written about from that perspective you know it's kind of easy to borrow from that tradition um but yeah i think that relationships are you know very complicated and you know, just just because you've ended something doesn't mean that you're not devastated um, from from losing that person. Um, you know, it's not like everybody who ends a relationship is skips away and is like, I'm free. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's not really how it goes. So I yeah, I think there's a few songs on the record where I'm I'm kind of wanting to write songs for myself that I needed at the time.
0: And I thought it was really interesting that you also capture sort of an even within that space sort of the opposite trajectory of a lot of breakup stories which is you know where you, you sort of you get to know someone very well and then you sort of you know you grow apart and you don't you feel like you don't know it. you y kinda you kind of become strangers over the course of it but I, I found the line uh, the I don't know how to keep loving you now that I know you so well I thought that was just such a um, um, brilliant sentiment that that maybe I, I hadn't heard captured in a song before that like that familiarity that that is also breeding this sort of you know this alienation and this eventual sort of breakup i thought that was a very clever line
2: (laughs) Hmm. yeah i think um the just i don't know the sadness of uh what long-term relationships I think can bring like, because you get so used to somebody that maybe you stop appreciating them and stop seeing them and stop seeing the special things about them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you just, you, you know them so well and you've gone past that period. that's all like exciting and where you're learning about each other and you're sharing your lives and you're kind of discovering new things together. Um, And I know that it's what like most of us go through at certain points um, in relationships Um, but it's kind of, yeah, maybe, maybe not spoken about that much Mm -hmm. because that's kind of, you know, that's meant to be the goal of our lives is to find somebody and love them forever.
0: Right. Um, so yeah. Well, that brings us to, um, track number five on your new record. Um, when the family flies in. I want to, um, I'm not going to open with a, um, a question on this one. I just wanted to a- sort of ask you, cause I know this is a, a very, um, sort of personal song for you and one that I, I want to just give you space to sort of talk about what this one means to you and where, where mm-hmm. sort of it comes from.
2: Yeah, this, this is like, I, I, I lost a good friend of mine a couple of years ago. Um, and, yeah it was just incredibly sad and for a lot of people and I obviously write songs to process things and but I found I you know I think death is uh kind of very very difficult to put into a song because it's so huge in a way that nothing else is Mm -hmm. um and to try and try and reduce that feeling into four minutes seems really trivial and not at all weighty enough, um, for what a huge thing it is and what a huge shift and loss it is. Um, so that was kind of the only song I was able to write about that situation. And I, yeah, it's kind of, I don't even know if I'm really going to play it live that often, but Mm. I'm glad I, I'm glad I wrote something about it, but I don't think it was at all, and you know, represents the feeling. It's just, I guess, maybe this just
0: small aspects of that feeling. And I I was curious also because you know I've I've in my own life you know tried to sort of process loss like this and loss of 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 friends and people close to me through you know through through my own form of 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 art or whatever and. The question that I always come up and I always ask myself is when I'm dealing with someone else's story and someone else's memory, um, you know, what what and and I'll ask you this same question, like what responsibility do you feel as an artist when you're when you're dealing with like something so close and real as you as you are in this song?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, 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 it's a really weird thing because I, I think I still feel a bit strange that I even put this song on a record. It doesn't feel right in the way. Like it, I don't know. I never want to feel like I am trying to turn a situation in, you know, like into, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I still, I really don't know what the answer to that is. I think it's, it's, it's a very you know I'm quite I'm young-ish so I haven't experienced um, that much loss in my life and I guess it's just and it's something that I will obviously experience more of as I get older and like figure out you know many different ways to cope with it but I guess yeah when you're young and you lose someone who is also young it's incredibly strange and shocking because it just doesn't seem to fit with the narrative of life that you're given as a young person and it's, yeah it's a, a, yeah a very hard thing to process in any capacity, art, life anything, so I have no answers.
0: I think think that's all right. Switching gears just a little bit Mm. here um, to a couple of questions, actually on this track and the next one, Convention, um, that have to do with a little bit of um, arrangement choices because I thought that those two in particular had Mm -hmm. some cool stuff going on. Um, For When the Family Flies In, this was a, um, you know, obviously a sort of very piano-centric piece, and, and I think I read somewhere that this was maybe one of the first songs that you had sort of developed just just for the piano is that is that true
2: um no I did I played on, I used to play it on guitar um and the only reason it's on piano is because I guess had a I had a little panic in the studio where it just wasn't working you know there's just some things in the studio where you you go in you're like I've played this live so it's gonna be fine you know like mm-hmm. or if I play this to my friends or if You know, all we're going to have to do is step in the studio and lay it down and, you know, we can have lunch. But um, just so many times, like, it just doesn't work like that and it's so frustrating because you just cannot figure out why. Um, And this was one of those, like, it just did not feel right on guitar. I just couldn't get it right. And um, Burke, the producer, was just like, let's do it on piano. And I was really hesitant because I just don't, I don't play piano so I I can't hear it and to me I always just think of like you know I think of like Adele or Mm -hmm. something and like (laughs) Adele's great but not obviously my thing and or like yeah, I just think of like overly dramatic kind of balladry and I so I was really hesitant but we gave it a go and he was really wonderful, like he kind of he muted the the piano and he mic'd it from really far away so it doesn't it doesn't have like that clean crisp like you know right in your ears piano mm-hmm. sound um and yeah the guy that's playing is was like the 16 year old intern oh. studio intern <laughs> who could play who could play a bit of piano and because nobody could play piano, and this guy, this guy could, um, Dom, lovely Dom, who was making making our coffees every morning, jumped on the keys, and yeah, it just kind of, and it just worked, and um, but yeah, that was that was definitely not the plan at all.
0: Well, yeah, it it worked so well that it it felt it felt like it was. Sort of destined from the beginning when you hear it on the record, so I guess that's yeah, uh, yeah. So that's 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 the uh, thank thank goodness for Dom, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, thanks, Dom. Yeah. Oh, please say something. I'm dying for your advice. I can tell you won't sleep.
0: And so, on convention, my, my sort of arrangement production question here is: it has to do with the um, the sort of relationship between the harmonies and the guitar on this one, because the the harmonies are so lush and and sort of gorgeously produced, um, but then with the guitar you can sort of hear you know all the sort of creaks and room noise and and you know this sort of very intimate and 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 you know maybe a little bit more unguarded sound. I, I'm just wondering if what the sort of importance of that is to you and of like capturing that sort of studio sound and how you think that those two things sort of play well together on this one
2: when i um yeah when I first started recording, I kind of thought of it like I don't know i I used to think about I used to get the same nerves that I used to get when I did athletics and I used to do the hundred meter sprint. Like, I just kind of thought it was about starting and then, like, running perfect, like, just doing this perfect take, not really thinking about it at all, just, like, getting to the end of it. And then I'd get to the end and I'd be like, all right, great, I'm not going to do that again. Like, I just thought it was about getting, like, a perfect, a technically perfect take, you know, and when I first started recording acoustic guitar, you know, if I could hear, like, the string buzz, I would, like, beat myself up about it or if I could hear my arm brush against the body of the guitar, it'd be like, Oh no, it's a bad take. And it's just crazy to like change my mind about that because now I'm like, that is what makes those tracks, like hearing your body and your, like the fact that you're living, breathing human with emotions is like what makes that kind of music, like solo songs. So wonderful. Um, and so I think when I have a song that is a solo track, um, I always I always kind of have that in mind. Like I I want I want you to be able to feel like you're next to me. I guess.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. well, we're speaking with Julia Jacqueline tonight on uh, track by track here with Consequence of Sound, and we are at track number seven on your new record, Crushed. Um, Good Guy is the name of track number seven. I don't care for the truth when I'm lost. The the sort of well, you know what you you tell me what you think it captures. I don't want I don't want to I don't want to overanalyze your record here. I've got I've got the person who wrote it. I can I can just ask you what are you what is this one about to you?
2: Uh, I think I think as well. It's you know it's a song on the record which to me highlights like how complicated humans are and that we don't. Like especially after a breakup, it's not like you have this um, just upwards trajectory to health or something. You know, it's not like you you experience a breakup and then you have like a shitty week and then you know you go out for a drink and you're like, yeah, I'm back, and then you like mm-hmm. go on a date and you know it's not it's not like that. Like we we go through so many. I think it can it can just shift and change and and it doesn't really matter necessarily the length of time it's just like how you're dealing with it and you know even though some of the songs obviously are like these strong songs and you know about moving on whatever I think is or like not needing anyone um and I definitely can be like that but then I think we also sometimes you do just need someone anyone anything you know anyone to just like touch you and hold you and um you know care about you so or not even care about you just like literally like hold you I guess and um I think good guy is just a song about where you're like yeah I'm not like the best version of myself right now and I know that like I'm better than this but I just like want to be a thought of I want to be I want to be you know I want to be touched by someone um and that's okay you know doesn't have to fade into the narrative of you like getting better or being a better person or moving on it's just like we're only human
0: Mm. and how has sort of your you know you your sort of increased um success and schedule even as a musician over the last couple of years how has that affected sort of the way you look at and and think about relationships, either, either romantic and, and new or just like the relationships you have sort of, you know, sort of in, in your life. Even.
2: Just, it's like such an intense way to live being a touring musician. Um, it's just very, you know, you're either away from everybody for long periods of time or you're with people for long periods of time without time apart, like at all. Um, so there's kind of no, it's a real it's yeah. There's no kind of middle ground. Um, it's not very. It's not a balanced lifestyle at all. And you can try and carve out little moments and try and do things to make it slightly more balanced, but it's not. It's like a very unnatural way um, to exist. I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I think it's just really important to make sure that you're surrounded by people that. Um, you know, really, really have your back and don't just say they have your back, but really have your back. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's been a really great time actually, because it's, I've made the most incredible friends, um, over the time, um, in a way that I don't think I would have if I didn't do this job. Um, and also it's made me realize like, you know, who I do want in my life and who I don't and the Qualities of people, and it's made me—I think—be able to read people better, and yeah, I think it's been—it's been pretty tough, but I—I I actually feel like I'm a lot better for it, um, and I have yeah, such incredible people in my life now, because you kind of like go through fire, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, we have another anthem on uh, track number eight uh, on your new record. You were right. Uh, and this one, uh much like Pressure to Party, again, just makes me want to sort of like, you know, go run a couple laps and like, you know, pump my pump my fist in the air. Started listening to your favorite band And I
1: stopped listening to you You were always trying to force my hair.
0: was sort of why was why was that sort of vibe the right fit for this one sonically you know matching up with sort of what you were covering thematically
2: um yeah i think that was it's just probably the angriest song you know i'm not really an angry person and i don't think my music is really angry but it, i guess it's just like a song that i just felt like those sentiments could only be expressed in a short, sharp song, um, that yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah. I wasn't really sure where to put that song on the record because it kind—I feel like it just kind of punches out at the in the end unexpectedly. But, but there was no where else to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, maybe it, maybe it. Hopefully, it like provides a bit of respite, maybe from what surrounds it. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think, I think it is sort of, yeah, it is kind of a, uh, a nice, like, sort of sharp, sharp inhale, and, like, it's a, it's a b- sort of brisk feeling, for sure, listening to it, and especially in that place on the record. And also, like, again, another case of, like, what feels like maybe a, uh, a perspective that's not always covered in pop music so much, or at least not the, not the records that I've listened to, they, they that idea of, like, rediscovering yourself... After splitting up with someone and kind of like sorting out, you know what things, you know what what things am I and what things are this you know this other person and and you know which of those how do you mm. how do you even like how do you un- untwine those sometimes?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean that song's the friend. That's a song you know about friendship actually, mm. but um, yeah, I think that's kind of a lot of the record. I guess is just re-evaluating like who you are, um, if not just reflections of the people around you. (laughs) Um, you know, it can be very confusing, especially when you're around people all the time and you're never not around people. Um, it's hard to sometimes know like what tastes are yours and, you know, what jokes are yours and what, you know, where, Where do you get the opinions that you have? Are they yours or are they just the people around you? So, yeah.
0: With the second to last track on Crushing, this is one that I've been so excited. I don't know if excited is the word, but so curious about. Um, The song Turn Me Me Down.
1: Oh, please turn.
0: wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned in the, the press materials for this one about the sort of process of recording this one and you you know you, you say um, you know in that write up that this, this song destroyed you in the, in the studio and I just want to like I want to hear more about that because again it's something that like I once I read that like, I could feel it certainly in the song and so like I I want to I want to hear more about what it was like to bring this thing to life.
2: Yeah. It just took, it took a really long time to get right. Um, The arrangement just kind of wasn't working and it's also like, yeah, I guess listening to it, the structure is quite odd. So trying to get that right was really difficult. So, and we, we recorded the whole thing. It was done. And then, my producer Burke was just like I just think we can do this differently and better and it was a really good moment for me because I was kind of like no like I don't I cannot do this again um, and he really pushed me and it was a really good moment working with him because it made me be like man this guy totally has my back making this record you know like he's not he's not gonna let me he was, he didn't let me be like lazy or he was very much like we are going to make like the best record we can make in this you know and it doesn't matter if it's going to kill us all kind of thing um, and this song yeah like I mean it's a really hard it's an emotional song to sing especially the, the uh, bridge I guess and it's really hard to sing and that bridge we did so many times and it's also the last note of the bridge is it was just hard and i it kind of humiliated me a bit in the studio because you've got all these people listening to you like not only bearing your soul but you know trying to i never knew what was going to come out of my mouth in that last note mm. um it was always a gamble and sometimes it would come out really badly and uh i'd just feel embarrassed you know so it was like i also just felt embarrassed recording that because i was never but that was a real learning curve, you know, like just being like, no, no one is here judging me. Like we're all here to do these songs justice and to do them as well as we can. Um, but yeah, and and it's just an emotional song to sing. It was just kind of you. And in, in the studio, it's such an emotional environment, and it just makes you think about a lot of things. And yeah, and just kind of having to do it so many times, and just yeah, it's one of those times when you just start to question your ability as a, as a musician um, when you can't get something right. Uh, so yeah, it just kind of it really destroyed me actually. But once we got it, it was just like, oh, okay, that was worth it.
0: Well, we have just about reached the end of our journey through crushing. Tonight we are at the final track on the record, Comfort. This time,
1: don't know how he's doing but that's what you, you can't be the one to hold him when you were the one who led. He's got good friends, they'll pull him in.
0: And uh, a question that I, whenever I get the chance to talk to an artist, a record in this way um, I always like to ask this question um, and it's it's this it's why is, in, in, in the same way that you know, I, I was curious about why Body was sort of the opening statement of the record uh, I'm equally curious as to what you feel um, Comfort does as sort of a closing statement and why it's sort of the thing that you want to leave everyone with as they as they finish listening to this, to this record?
2: Well, yeah, it's always hard to know how it sounds to other people. I I guess for me, it was that, you know, initially the song title was a song to comfort myself. That was in the phone, in my phone. Mm. Um, And, you know, it was just kind of a song I wrote and I sent it to a few of my friends who were kind of going through a similar thing to me at the time. Um, and I never kind of intended it to be on the record. It was literally one of those songs you just you're like, oh, I need to do something with these feelings, and I need to make myself feel better. Um, and so I wrote that song, and I, yeah, I, I sent it to a few friends, and they were like, oh, thank you, like I really need to hear this. And um, and yeah, so it just kind of felt. And then when we got into the studio, it was just one of the songs on the back burner. You know, like I knew I had it, but I wasn't sure. Um, and I think I, yeah, when I recorded it, it just felt right because it, I don't know, I think it, it is a real song to myself and it, it kind of, I don't know, it's like, it, it just sums up, I think, for me, the, the feeling of, of the record and like that, you know, even though this is all painful, like you're going to be all right it's not the end of the world. And like, you know, you can't be selfish in this moment you have to grow up as well. Like, you know, you can't reach out to people that you've pushed away. You know, it's just, you've got to, you've got to like be, live with your decision and like, you'll be all right. You know? And so that's kind of, yeah, it's a sad song, but I feel like it's, to me, it's, it's reassuring.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the sort of most um, adult things that I've um, <laughs> learned to do. I think over the course of my life is sort of find ways to be like confident and find reassurance even in moments when I don't fully believe it. I guess. And just yeah, to be, to, yeah, and that I yeah. Think is a is something that you can only develop sort of through experience and through time. And I thought it was so powerfully um, expressed in this song. So. I really, I really enjoyed this one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> well thank you uh, so much, Julia Jacqueline, for joining us tonight here on Track by Track. And thank you for sharing so many of your wonderful thoughts with us about this excellent new record.
2: Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> the album is crushing. It is out now on polyvinyl. Julia Jacqueline, have a good evening. You too. If you love Track by Track, our album reviews, or any feature here on COS, please consider rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts, or rating and reviewing specific episodes on Podchaser. Your feedback helps us grow and lets us know what you love about them, how you think they could improve, or even how you listen to them. Reach out to us by leaving a review or hitting us up on the Consequence Podcast Network Facebook page. We're an independent music outlet, and it's you find folks that make it possible for us to keep exploring music in more exciting ways. So connecting with you about how you experience our content is majorly important to us. Thanks so much for tuning in, and now let's uncover all the stories behind Crushing with Julia Jackman. Thanks so much for listening to Track by Track. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this series, Consequence of Sound, on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Or hey! Share it with a friend or on social media. It helps make sure we can keep dishing out our music journalism audio form. You can also follow Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network on Facebook. And be sure to check out our other music, movie, and television podcasts. Head to consequenceofsound.net to explore all of our series.
1: Consequence Podcast Network.